right. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's nice, nice, nice. I, I understand what Sherry's saying. I don't understand about the disparity of sides and stuff like that. Actually, the air flows better on this side, just to let you know. Yeah. <laughs> Just, just to let you know, but hey, I'm so glad that you guys are here this morning. I'm very, very excited because we are about to launch into something that I've been praying about for months and months and months um, o- over the summer. Um, our fall is in full view. Um, kids are back in school. Things are going on. And so um, my heart was like, I just really want to do something with our church. And, and as a church, it just really kind of just launches us forward and everything. And that's what this is. Um, and so I'm really, really excited over the next six weeks what we're going to journey together with um, on Sunday mornings and small groups and and, and in all of it. Um, you may have heard in the past of a thing called 40 Days of Purpose or the Purpose Driven Life and, and, and everything. And that's basically what this is, um, but it's actually a little bit deeper than that. Um, just over the years, it's kind of been refined and looked at. And it's been done over and over again. But really what we're talking about is a calling on your life. And, and I believe every person has a calling for their life. And, and so it is our goal and it is our heart for the next six weeks for us to get to the point where you are living out that calling in whatever that looks like, in whatever way that happens. And, and so that's what we're going to do. We're going to do everything we can to equip you, to prepare you, to set you up, to live your calling. And this morning, um, we're going to do kind of an overview of everything, kind of just get us on the right track and and get us started. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, we have them available around here. Um, They're just sitting around, just raise your hand or just pop up and we'll grab you one. If you don't own one or you've lost yours, you can have one of ours. Put your name in it, keep it. It's yours. If you'd rather use an electronic device, you can sign into our Wi-Fi here. It says GBC Guest. Just type in Find More, all lower caps, and you are welcome um, to do that. But as always and forever, um, these are the only words that matter. Um, This is the only reason I get to preach. It's the only reason we get to be a church is because of these words. And, and And I hope that um, you're learning my heart and that you're gaining a heart for these words as we just go through them each week and and, and throughout the, our time together. So out of respect for that and out of just acknowledgement of authority, I'm going to ask if you'll just stand with me as we read in Romans chapter 8. Some verses that are probably pretty well known, especially in this group. Paul writes this, he says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Will you pray with me? God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity just to kind of come together. God, every time we gather, I'm just, I'm in awe. Father, you, you don't need me to preach. You don't need us to sing, but you just invite us to come and be in your presence, God. I thank you that you were here waiting for us this morning, that we don't have to ask you, we don't have to do any special ritual or anything to try to get you to be here, God, that you are here and you have been here. And so, God, we ask that you would just move this morning, that these words would be your words and not mine. God, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, God, that you would change us. Father, as we begin this journey, Father, that you would use it, God, not only to just grow this church, but grow your kingdom, more importantly. God, that it would bring glory to you, God. It would bring honor to you. 
And then, God, that all that we do would put a smile on your face this morning. So, Father, we ask simply, God, give us ears to hear, give us hearts to respond, and the courage to live it out today. May we be different because we are in your presence today. God, we love you. We praise you. Have your way with us. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So as I said, you know, we've talked about this thing that started out years and years ago um, called 40 Days of Purpose, The Purpose Driven Life. It's probably one of the most best-selling books um, outside the Bible and stuff just around. I mean, it's in all kinds of different languages and everything. And, and I love, and over the years, just the idea of like, okay, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? And there's been a lot of jokes about it. You know, like, uh, you know, I've found my porpoise. I actually had a shirt one time that says, looking for 40 days of porpoise. But, but, and there's a lot of people that just kind of have messed with it and said, okay, it's cool. But, but it means so much, I think, today, especially today. Because we live in a culture and a world of people that are just kind of rolling around trying to figure out what's the meaning. And we still have those same questions. And, and even us that maybe followers of Christ and sit here like, I've grown up in church, I've done this, still might have those questions. What am I here for? What, what am I supposed to be doing? God, what, what are you calling me to do and, and, and do all that? And that's why I, it's important for us, I think, to start think not only about purpose, but the idea that we are called. Because really in the New Testament, they're in a change. Well, look, look, read these verses again. We know this verse. Most people quote this verse in Romans eight twenty eight. It says, we know that in all things work together for the good. And a lot of times we stop there. We say, okay, all things are going to be good. That's not what this verse says. He says that we know in all things that work together for the good. Not that everything's good, but in the end, things all come together and it ends up being good. At the very end of all, we can look back on our lives and say, okay, I see how God orchestrated and moved in that. And it all worked good. But who does it work good for? Of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. What do you think about when you hear the word called? I mean, we, we've done it. When I think about word called, I think about like some guy trying to sell me insurance on my cell phone. I don't know how he got my number that keeps calling over and over again. And some lady that apparently our church has been approved for like $3 million worth of credit, and she wants to talk more about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to click that email. No, I'm not going to. I'm just, a lot of times we just think of it as an interruption. But actually the word call in the Greek is the word kaleo. And it's used over a hundred times in the New Testament, over and over again. It's used over a hundred times, and it is in response, and it's in correlation with the idea of what's the purpose? Why am I here? <clears throat> I'm called to do something. In Latin, the word is vocation. We all know what that means. That's my job. But in this sense, it means so much more. It's not about a career. It, 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 it's so much more. And if you look through Scripture, if you spend any time in Scripture, you see over and over God calling people to amazing things that are beyond their understanding, beyond their abilities, calling people like Noah to build an ark. I don't think Noah ever saw a large body of water, and he's like, I'm going to build a boat in my backyard that's huge. Or Abraham, go to a land that you don't know yet. Or David, or Paul. Over and over, we see this idea of God calling and calling us and calling us. And so that's what I want you to get in the idea that there is a call out there, and that is your purpose, and everyone has it. And over the next six weeks, my prayer is very simple for us. My prayer is in Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. Paul writes this. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so you may know what is the hope of his calling 
What is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength? This is my prayer for us over the next six weeks. That our hearts would be open, our eyes would be open, and we'd be enlightened, and we would know the hope of this calling. But before we get into that, before we start getting into the specifics of it, there are things that I think we need to know about calling. And so that's what we're going to run. We are bouncing all around this morning. So if you're like, Pastor, I missed that and stuff, just come see me. Um, but we got a lot of stuff. And, and so there's some things I want us to know about our life's calling. Eight things. This morning, this ain't no three-point sermon. This is an eight-point sermon, so get comfortable. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I just, I just want to, the very first thing I want us to know is your calling, my calling, is a gift from God. It is a gift. We, we don't earn it. We don't deserve it. it. It is a gift from God. In fact, that's in Galatians 1.6. Paul writes this. He says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Circle that word called in your Bible. And circle that word grace. You know what grace is, right? You know what grace is? Grace is that undeserved favor, that undeserved, the thing we, we don't deserve. See, because we know what mercy is. Mercy, mercy is when we don't get what we're supposed to justice is when we get what we're supposed to get mercy is when we don't get what we're supposed to get grace is when we get everything and we don't deserve it at all it is a gift it is is a thing that marks my life it's the reason we named this church grace baptist there's a reason it's tattooed on my arm in greek yeah pastor has a tattoo because grace is a thing that I'm still figuring out. It is this idea that there's a God that saw all my messes, all my stuff, and loved me through that anyway. And, and it's freely, freely given. It's undeserved calling. It's undeserved kindness. Do you understand that we have nothing that we offer God? There's nothing in our lives that God looks at and says, wow, I wish I had that. <laughs> We bring nothing to the table. That, that's grace. And that calling is a gift of us. Our calling is, is part of our salvation. That's the very part of it. That, that's, that's the whole, whole thing. That is in 2 Timothy 1.9. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, He saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace. Do you see that? Called us with a holy calling, saved us. God did everything. We just had to say yes and show up. And, and so the very first thing I want you to know about your purpose, your calling in life is that, yes, it is a, it is a gift from God. It is a gift that we should treasure every single day. But, but the next thing is I, I want you to know that you're called for God's purposes. It's not about you. It's not about me. 
It's not about what I can get out of it. It's, it's, it's because I've been called for God's purpose. I've been called because God wanted me. He has something that he wants for me. And it's not about me getting rich or getting big or getting popular or any of that stuff. It's not about me. So many times we're in church or we're someplace and we make it so much about us. Have you ever noticed that? When my daughters were young, I used to really annoy them because they'd start whining about something, and I would start, like, rotating around them. They're like, what are you doing? I says, yes, the entire universe <laughs> rotates around you, dear. I'm just ca caught in your gravitational pull. And they're like, Dad, stop it. I'm like, not until you stop being dumb. Because we try to think that the universe is all about me. Isn't it? It's how I, Apple made all their money. You think anybody would buy a U-phone? Or you, Pat? <laughs> no, we like it. I, it's iPad. I, me, mine. It's, it's iPhone. No, it's not about you. Our calling is about God. It's about his glory. See, the only glory that matters and the only one that deserves it is God. And that may sound like arrogant when we read in the Bible, God says, I'm jealous for my glory. Who else is worthy of it? No one. It's not arrogant if it's true. And, and so our calling, and, and this we are called for God's purpose. It says, for, for we are his workmanship in Ephesians 2.10, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. It's his plan. It's, it's, it's his job. And, and every one of us has to get to a point where we just say, hey, this is what I'm called to do. Notice it says prepared in advance. It was planned out before you ever made a decision, before you ever decided to go to church or make any decision, before you breathed your first breath, God had already made a choice for you. He made decisions and was for his glory. And, and we have to understand that. And again, it's not about a vocation. It's not about a career or a job. I remember God's call in my life when it, when it became so clear. I was 18 years old, 19 years old. I was in college doing nothing because I was young and dumb. I spent two years at a university and earned like six credits. That was a really good spend of money. Wasn't that? That was awesome. I majored in like fraternity. It wasn't a major. <laughs> I thought it should be. And I remember God grabbing hold of me and says, I want all of you. I want your whole life. And me talking to someone, someone that I respected, knowing that God was just drawing me back to him, says, I really feel like God's calling me ministry and just do this full-time ministry. And he looked at me and says, listen, if you can do anything else other than ministry, go do it. If you can do anything else, go, go and do it. And, and my heart was like, this, this is all I can do. When we understand God's call on our life, then we get that where it's like, this is all I can do. For me, it became, it became becoming a pastor. For you, to be a lawyer. Wow, Christian lawyer. That would be awesome. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Politician, all of them. Just name them. Sorry, Mark. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, just it's, it's God putting himself like, I put you someplace. I've called you for my purpose. Because in the end, listen, in the end, this church is not, it's going away. All the church is going away. There's only going to be one church with one head pastor. His name's Jesus. 
I get so frustrated when I talk to people and when, when I understand what's going on and I hear stories and I talk to my pastor friends, I just have a simple question. Whose kingdom are you building, his or yours? Because it's for his glory and his purpose. But not only that, I'm not only, it's not only a gift and I'm called for God's purpose to bring his glory and to do the things that he had to do, but God chose my calling before I was born. Think about that. For some of us, that's a long way ago. <laughs> for some of us, it's a little bit closer. But before you were born, before you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye, God already knew you. God looked down the quarters of time, and he already chose, and he set up your calling before you were born. Look at this. Galatians 1.15, Paul writes this. He says, but when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased. Do you understand that, that God already knew you before anybody else? He knew your life. He knew everything that's going on. He's sovereign. He looked down through the court and he saw you and he said, I got a plan for this one and you're going to be born. You know, it blows my mind away that in eternity past, God looked down and he says, on February 13th, 1968, there's going to be a guy named Tony born. One day he's going to be a pastor. I'm going to put him through, I'm going to lead him through some things that are going to get him to that point, but I've got a plan for him. I've got a calling. And so before I was even born, God called me. Listen, this world is going to tell you we have cheapened life so much. They're going to say like, well, you know, maybe you're an accident or maybe you're mistaken. Maybe somebody in this room has heard that before. I just want you to hear, if you don't hear anything else, you are not an accident. You were planned for by a loving father, by a God that said, I know this person. You were deeply, deeply loved. You're not a mistake. And it breaks my heart that we are telling kids all the time by the way we live and by the way culture goes, it's like, oh, you're just a mistake. That's why abortions become so prevalent because we just think like it's, it's nothing. Life really doesn't mean anything. I'm just saying you're not an accident. Please hear that. In, in fact, e every week as we go through and we're in these small groups, you're going to have memory verses, and we're going to help you with that. But, man, I want you to memorize this verse. Isaiah 44.2 is, is, is what we want to memorize this week. It says, this is the word of the Lord, your maker, the Lord, your maker, the one who formed you from the wound. He will help you. Do not fear, Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Your maker who formed you, you're not an accident. Before you took your first breath, God had a plan for you. Isn't that awesome? So my calling is a gift from God. My, my calling, I'm called for God's purpose. And God chose my calling even before I was born. And it doesn't stop there. Here's the other thing. Number four, my call doesn't change. My sins, mistakes don't change my call. Whatever I've done in the past, whatever I thought or I've messed up in some way, it doesn't change my calling. And you've probably heard me say this before. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you could ever have done to make God love you less. You're already perfectly loved. My sins, my mistakes, they don't change my call. They, they don't mess up. Think about Paul. Of anyone, if you think like, well, God can't use me. You don't know what I've done, Pastor. Think about Paul. Listen to this. Paul in 1 Timothy 1 and 12, 13, he says this. He says, I give thanks to Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, 
appointing me to the ministry, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man. But I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. Paul was the guy that was going around holding the cloak saying, pick up that stone to stone Stephen. Grabbing people, throwing him in prison, persecuting. He was, uh, he was the number one enemy of the church, the number one enemy of Jesus in the early days. And God transformed him. Don't think that it, uh, I've done something bad. I can't, I can't, you don't know what I've done. Maybe at one time I was on the right track, but man, I blew it so bad. Can I tell you, God is a God that redeems everything. Your call doesn't change. Chuck Colson, who was in prison, he's a great author. He says, God doesn't waste what happens, not even sin. Part of my calling comes out of my pain. God doesn't waste anything that happens. God takes all of it. That's that verse. For all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. For those of that fallen, that have fallen and have messed up, God takes even the bad stuff, the mistakes, and he redeems them and he brings them all together and he puts it all together and makes something good out of it. Nothing is irredeemable. Can you hear that from me? No one is too far gone that God can't use. God can't say, I still have a calling on your life. But not only that, it's not just a gift, and it's not just for God's glory, and, and I was chosen before I was born, and, and all this stuff, but it's also, my calling is permanent. It is doesn't change remember it's not your career it's not your job those things change all the times i don't know how many jobs i've had over the years i started out as as bagging groceries at a at a, at a you save when i was like 14 15 years old and i've worked ever since i've been a soldier i've been a pastor i've been a missionary i've been a character attendant for mickey mouse you want to talk about a job that teaches you patience? You tell a mom with a little kid that's been waiting in line for 20 minutes in a hotline saying, Mickey's going to go take a break. <laughs> I, I'm a security officer right now at Universal doing that. You know, usually I talk about like what I did the night before to you guys. Last night I was in one of the clubs. I can't tell you anything that went on there because I'm embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I walked out of there and says, I don't ever want to be. There are things you can't unsee. <laughs> I don't ever want to be in this club again. Please don't ever post me here again. And they're just laughing at me. He says, you don't understand. i got to go preach tomorrow. <laughs> I just stay up all night saying, God, just wipe that stuff out. That was horrible. But it's not about a career. It's not about a job. My location, my circumstances may change, and they will change. You'll move. You'll find different jobs. You do that. Circumstances will change, but your calling doesn't. In Romans eleven twenty nine, Paul says, since God's gracious gifts are call and calling are irrevocable. That's a mouthful. They don't change. You're still called to know him. You're still called to worship him. You're still called to share the gospel. You're still called. Your, your surroundings and how you do it may look different. And that's, that's the cool thing about this. We are all called 
to the same thing for God's glory, for God's kingdom. It just will look different in all of us. I remember we started a ministry called First Priority, and it was all about just teaching kids how to share the gospel and how to tell their testimony. And it was an amazing thing. We saw, we saw hundreds of kids come to know Christ. It was in public schools, and we met every week, and it was great and stuff. But every month, one time a month, we try to bring in a Christian adult you know, to, to let them know that, hey, when school's out, when youth group's done, you can still follow Jesus. You don't have to be like everybody else and just say, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go do my own thing. You can still follow Jesus. And they'd always say, like, who are you going to get? What pastor are you going to get? What youth pastor are you going to get? I says, no, I want a Christian garbage man. And I found one. And he came and he shared it. It was the best one we had. He was just talking about it. I was like, I pick up garbage for the glory of God. And I was sitting there going, holy, whoo, that's awesome. Because it doesn't matter your job. We're all called. And it's, it doesn't change. That calling stays the same. It's permanent. By the way, if you are later on in life, later in years, I just want you to know that calling isn't done for you either yet. This is the only retirement I've ever, ever found in the Bible mentioned was absent from the body, present with the Lord. As long as there is breath in your lungs, God has a plan and a purpose for you. It, it doesn't ever stop until you stand before him. We live in a, retire, <coughs> in a retirement community. And I look at that and say, what an amazing resource of people of life, life experiences. I mean, if they just fell in love with Jesus, what they could do. What they could do. It doesn't end. But not only that, not only is it permanent, but my calling is connected to others. Calling and community go together. We have really kind of distorted this. I think we've distorted the church, and part of it, I think, is the church's fault because we've become, we, we became so program-driven. It was all about just programs and, and do this and stuff like that, and, and we became more self-help than gospel help. And people started getting the idea, like, well, I don't have to go to church. I don't need to be a part of the church. You know, I'll just do this on my own. It doesn't work that way. Nowhere in the Bible does it really talk about an individual. It talks about a community of people, a group of people. And it's always been that way. And so my calling is, is, connected, is connected to others. Look at Romans 14, 7. It says, for none of us lives for himself and no one dies for himself. You can't do this alone. We're, we're, all, we're all body parts. We're, we're better together. And the idea that I don't need to be a part of a church or I don't have to join a church or make a covenant and be actively involved is crazy. And in fact, I think it's blasphemy. You know, I was studying last week and I was reading more about church. And if you notice anything, my whole heart this year has been about the church. We were going through Acts. We'll go back. We'll start back into Acts right when we get done with this series. And it's been about the church and, and how we are called to come together. And, and I notice a verse that I never really noticed before. I, I knew the verse. It says, you know, you know, your body is the temple of God. 
A better translation is your body is part of the temple of God. And I, I never realized that. I never looked at it that way originally because I always thought that just meant, you know, you don't drink, you don't cuss, you don't chew, you don't date girls that do. You know, you take care of yourself, you know. If you're going to have pizza, get veggie pizza. Take care of yourself, you know. Walk some places. You know, exercise. Take care of yourself because your body is the temple of God. It, it, I, I think it's a bigger context. I think it says we're part of the temple. Do you understand that we all together are part of something called the temple of God as the church, the church? That the apostles were foundation, Christ is the cornerstone, and we are the walls and the furniture that build it up. And that when somebody says, I don't need to be a part of church or go to church or be a part of a community, we're, we're, we're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. We're, we're telling God, like, I don't want to be part of your temple. Because all of us, we are all a piece of that. We are God's dwelling. We're the fulfillment of the prophecy when God says, well, there will be a day when I will write my laws in the heart. They will be my people and I will be their God and I will dwell among them. That's what happens with us. And so our calling, it's, it's, it's to connect it with community. There's no Lone Ranger Christians out there. There's no Lone Ranger followers out there that we have to do it together. In fact, that's what Paul talks about, the body and everything, and, and that we should be all part of body. Turn over to Ephesians. Oops. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 4. Paul writes this. He says, There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One body, all together, all the body parts. Our body parts don't work together by themselves. You cut off a finger, it's not going to keep crawling unless you're in some horror movie. And that's just, you know, if that happens, I'm going to stomp on it because there's something seriously wrong with you. It's none of those, like, B-rated, and I love the old B-rated horror movies. You remember the hand that would just, like, crawl and stuff? And I used to, when I was a kid, I was like, that's horrible. I'm so glad for Scripture. It's unbiblical. <laughs> it don't work that way. We're body parts. We all come together. And some of you, some of you, some of you are the heart. Some of you are the hand. Some of you are the feet. Some of us are the armpit. It doesn't matter. We're all part and we all come together and, and this calling is connected to each other. This is why these small groups are so important. We live out our faith in community, not on our own. And, and I beg you, I implore you that you sign up for one of those small groups today. That you make sure that you're connected. It's great that we get to come together and sing and do our stuff. But man, this is busy. It's it's hard to really connect and stuff like that. We we do our very best, and I love this is the most welcoming church I've ever been a part of. I mean, we 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 hug everybody, we shake everybody. I mean, there are no strangers in here, and, and I love that. I just think we need to multiply that. That's why these small groups are are so important for us. That we're living out this faith, we're growing, and we're understanding. Together in community because that's the way God shaped it for us. That's how our calling is lived out. But not only that, only two more guys. Hang on with me. God empowers what he calls me to do. God empowers what he calls me to do. Look, we're in Ephesians 4. Look back at verse 1. 
Therefore I, Paul writes, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received. We are called to live worthy of it. We're called to live out that. And so God is the strength that gives us. God is the one that helps us do that. So how do we do that? How do we learn about Over the next six weeks, I'm going to give you a little acronym. It says LEARN. Okay? It's just learn. Over the next six weeks, I want us to learn how to live our calling. And the first one is to listen to God. Over the next six weeks, we listen to God. Hopefully more longer than that. But the best way to listen to God and hear his voice is right here. Can I tell you that? There is no, there is no greater authority. There's no better book. There's nothing that we'll ever need to know about God that you can't find in here. That's why I start every service and say, that's why this is so important. That's why we stand in just in awe of these words. And so my heart would be that you would you would be able to you would just fall in love with these words. You know, we're, we're going to give you a book. We're going to give you a little guidebook and there's a reading every day. But in that there's scripture and stuff like that. And I just want you to dive in. But we have to listen. Do You want to live out your calling and God empower you. The first thing you need to do is listen to God. Second thing to eat, enlist friends. Enlist people to go on this journey with you. We already said that our call is best in community. Enlist other people like, hey, come and do this with me. Come and walk through this with me. Be a part of my small group. Come here, and if they get too big, we'll make more. It's, it's not a problem. We will we'll do whatever it takes, but enlist friends to come along. Ask questions. Listen, if I say something that you're like, that doesn't sound right. Ask me. We need to stop being a church culture that just listens to a pastor because he says he's a pastor and stands up there and says, hey, this is what the Bible says. We need to ask questions. If you're not sure about things, if you're like, I don't understand, ask questions. And this, that's why these small groups are so amazing because it's a, it's a format, it's an atmosphere where we can sit there and like, what's that mean? Can we discuss that a little bit more? We, we have time to do that. So ask questions. The R, remember what you've learned. Put it into practice. The best way to remember it is to do it. Remember what you learned. Take notes. Go back over it. I have journals and stacks of journals and notes and stuff from years and years and years ago that I open up randomly. I just start looking through it. It says, man, what was, what was I learning in, in 1996? To remember it. Just remember what you've learned and then now do it. Do something with it. Don't just, man, don't, I don't understand why people go to church just to sit there and sing some songs and to leave unchanged. Ah, it seems like such a waste of time, especially now it's football season. <laughs> there are things, there are things you knew. It makes absolutely no sense that if we get all this information, if we said, wow, that was awesome. I re really like that part. And then we do nothing about it. Live it. I've said this over and over. We will never, ever, ever be the church in here if we're not the church out there first. And hopefully over the next six weeks, and you get you get a passion for that calling. You get a passion for this. And that it acts, it becomes action. Following Christ isn't something you do, it's someone you are. 
You hear me? Living out your calling isn't really something you do. It's, it's who you are. Uh, one of my favorite kind of modern authors I love reading all the time is a guy named Francis Chan. And he asks a great question. He talks about what it means to be a disciple in one of his books. And, and he talks about the idea in the New Testament of being disciples that you follow a rabbi and that you learn and you do everything the rabbi does. And, in fact, there's an old Jewish saying that says, you know, you know sh- from the dust of my rabbi. And the idea was that a, a follower of the rabbi would walk so close to him that the dust he would kick up from walking would cover the person. This is why Peter, when he saw Jesus walking in the water, says, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come to you. Because his rabbi was walking on the water. And he's like, I can do it too. If that's the case, if that's what it means to be a disciple, and we have millions upon millions of people saying, I'm a follower of Jesus, why is it that so many of us don't look anything like him? Because that, that's that's... That's what it means. It means actually living out what I hear and what I study. And God will empower you for what he, he's not going to call you to anything that you, he's going to call you things that maybe you're not capable of, but there's nothing that he is incapable of. If I've asked you to like lead a small group and you're still sitting there going like, I can't do this. You're right, but I guarantee you God can through you. Pastor, I can't tell somebody the gospel. I don't, I don't know what to say. That's okay. There's a God that does. He will empower you. He'll give you the words. He'll give you everything you need to accomplish what you need to accomplish for his glory. I promise you. Second Thessalonians 1.11 says, In view of this, we always pray for you. That our God will make you worthy of his calling. And by his power, fulfill your every desire to do good and your work produced by faith. God will make you worthy of his calling by his power. Do you understand, like I said at the beginning of this, we bring nothing to the table. It is all what God does for us and through us. All we have to do is be obedient. That's the problem. I can, I can tell you right now, try not to be harsh, not trying to be negative or anything, but the greatest sin in our churches today is simply disobedience. It's us not doing what God has called us to do and not living that way. But God will empower you. And then finally, this morning, there's a prize, by the way. There's a prize for living out my calling. There's a prize at the end of it all. Look, look at this. Philippians 3.14. Paul says, As I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. There's a prize promised by God in that call on our life. There's a prize. <coughs> What's that prize? We get to share in God's glory. Too many people say, you know, hey, do you want to go to heaven when you die? Heaven's not the prize. God's presence is the prize forever and ever and ever. Heaven is just a place it happens. 
And can I tell you something? Heaven can be four corners Florida if God decides this is where I'm going to set up my kingdom and this is where I'm going to be. Because it's his presence. It's not some place. And, and as beautiful and as amazing as going, that's just extra. The pearly gates, the streets of gold, the glass sea, all that beautiful stuff and all the amazing things that we can't even comprehend. I love, we were talking this week a little bit. About, there's, in, in Revelations, there's silence. There's like 30 minutes of silence in heavens when you read through Revelation of the trumpets. And I think it's because everybody showed up and went. Because they were in God's presence. Fully known, fully, fully able to know. I mean, that's that's the prize. That we're if we live out this calling, if we get up day after day and we make a choice and God, I'm going to live your calling in my life. There's a prize that comes with it. First Thessalonians 2 12 says we are encouraged, comforted and implore each one of you to live worthy of God who called you into his own kingdom and glory. We get to share the glory. God doesn't have to share any of it, but he says you're going to share in the glory. And so us living this life and, and as much trouble as we think we are in now or much struggle that we go through now, it doesn't even compare to what the glory we're going to know and see. That's why Paul says that. He says, I consider this little bit of problems immeasurable to the glory that I will know. Our lives are a blip in eternity. And by living this calling and by accepting this calling, man, we, we get to know that glory forever. We can't even comprehend the word eternity. I mean, I don't think Buzz Lightyear knew how profound he was when he says to eternity and beyond. Because it's incomprehensible. But you and I have a calling. It's a gift from God. He chose you before you were born. It's a calling that doesn't change. That he empowers. That it's done in community. That all these things is about our calling. And so if we know that about our callings. And let the journey begin. I believe all my heart, every person on this planet is looking for more in their hearts. They know that there's something more than just me and my circumstances and that. I think that that's the verse in Ecclesiastes. For God has placed eternity upon our hearts because we understand there's a yearning for something more. It's this. You will answer the hard questions. You're like, why am I here? What's going on? What am I supposed to do? It's this. You and I are called. To know God and to make him known. And over the next six weeks, I am so excited for the journey we're going to take. So let's let the journey begin. My prayer for us is very, very simple. Paul wrote it in Ephesians 1, 17 through 18. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know his you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glory, of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That's my prayer for us over the next six weeks. As each week we go through a different aspect of this, as this as each week you're meeting in homes and you're discussing and you're talking about it. You're inviting neighbors. I pray that God would just make himself known.
because then we'll have hope. And can I tell you, that's what this world needs more than anything else right now is hope. I hope you're ready. I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're excited. Because this is going to be an amazing journey. But as I always told my students when I was a youth pastor, as I told, tell anybody when you get in, you're only going to get out of this what you put into it. Get a book. Read it. Read the daily readings. Join a small group. Get involved. Ask questions. Grow in that. Understand. Start identifying what God has placed you, that shape he's made you and everything. And then let's do it. It will change his church. It will change his. It will change the world if we live out the calling. Let's pray.